1: Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Inland Empire of Southern California. Uh, where Our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great free, and prosperous. The uh, Before we jump into the show, I almost forgot to introduce my co-host here. Uh, Doug Hauser is back uh, by popular demand, his popular demand, that is. Uh, I asked many times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, can I be on the show this week, please, please, please? No. Uh, we, Doug always has great insights, and he's a member of the cabinet of the residency Party Patriots as part of the United I E Coalition, and he was heavily involved in the school choice effort, the, the previous one, as well as we're working on getting that up and going and have another have another go at it because that's another essential cause. The motto of this show is the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And I just there was a, there was a long interview or a session between Jordan Peterson and Senator Josh Hawley this week. Um, can't begin to play the hour and 27-minute podcast they did together. But there's a, we have a little clip here that caught my attention. There are things that can be done in the world, things that should be done in the world, that only you can do. And that if you don't do them,
0: they won't happen. That's a high vision. That's a high calling. By the way, that's true of our country. Our country will be less if you don't take on the obligations of citizenship. This country can be greater. It can be
1: more with you as part of it. And it, it won't be what it could be without you. We need you.
2: Yeah, well, I, and I think that's true is that to the degree that each person is unique and each person is unique to a great degree, then each person has something to bring into the world that only they could bring into it. That's a heavy load for each person to bear too, because it turns out that it isn't true that nothing you do matters. What's true is that everything you do matters a lot more than you think, and you should get the hell at it now. That when people do abdicate their responsibility en masse, which is what you saw in all well, Nazi Germany, what you saw in totalitarian Soviet Union and in Maoist China, that things turn into hell very, very rapidly.
1: That's something that um, almost invariably, even on our side, is it's elect me, and I'm going to do all these wonderful things for you. We're going to, uh, and this includes Donald Trump. I'm going to make America great again. And even even people that I like and support and respect, they don't, in, in my mind, in my way of thinking, make it about, you know, it's not just me. And when was the last time you heard a politician say to the, adoring even in a large audience is or the inaugural speech it says I'm, you know, here, here's the agenda we're going to try to get past and here's how we're going to try to make things better but I can't save the country I can't save our republic, our freedom oh, I need you the citizens to do this and i you just don't see that, but I'm glad to see Senator Hawley recognizing that, and hope to see more more of that theme because if we're going to save the country, if we're going to save our freedom, if we're going to save the republic, if we're going to save the constitution, it ain't going to be a- it ain't just going to be the politicians that do it it's going to be absolutely the, and I, I think you know every leader of a of a volunteer political group. Shares some level of frustration is yes, we're, we appreciate all the great work that our volunteers do, but we just wish we could find a way to bring more people who share our vision for the country of freedom, of a republic, of constitutionally limited government, of free enterprise, fiscal responsibility, and uh, putting America and Americans first. That shared that basic vision would do something for it. Your
2: turn. Right. I'd like to point out that our opposition, virtually everybody who works for their side is paid. And on our side, virtually everybody who works for us is volunteers. If people on our side, if all the people who agreed with us were to donate a half hour a week of their time to helping a candidate or you know, whatever the case may be, or collecting signatures, or speaking to the school board, or other case, maybe if everybody on our side put in a half hour a week, we would blow the other side away. And here's another thing that I wish, as much as I like Donald Trump, here's something I wish he had done. In his inaugural speech, I was hoping that he would say something like, I understand that many, many people are angry about me being elected. I have a suggestion. If all those people who are angry about me winning the election would go out and do something positive in their community—mentor a child, help a shut-in, volunteer at a hospital, volunteer to fire department—do something in your community. Organize a trash pickup. If everybody who hates me would do something like that in their community then this country will have nothing to worry about. What I do in the White House will be trivial compared to the beneficial effect of all those people who don't like me being in the White House doing something positive. And I exhort my supporters also to get out and help and do those same kind of things. Volunteer at the hospital. Volunteer at your local school. You know, prepare, help prepare meals for for homeless or destitute people whatever the case may be something local and the effect of 50 million or 70 million people who are furious at me being in the white house helping in their communities would overwhelm whatever politics they think that I'm going to do that's going to hurt the country i wish he had done something like that as a direct challenge to those people to do something positive
1: Well, well, way back to Alexis de Tocqueville, who came to visit the United States. I think it was the 1830s. Uh, He's a French aristocrat. Comes like, what the heck is going on over here in the United States of America? And he traveled around and saw things good. He saw slavery in the South. I think he even witnessed part of the Trail of Tears where uh, this may have been... I could be off of my timing, where the, the Cherokee were forcibly evicted from their home, from their land, which they lived in, in like Georgia and moved to Oklahoma. Uh, we also have a good end. One of the things they observed was the, the American propensity to form volunteer non-civic associations to take care of problems rather than waiting for the government to take care of it. And that and that's, that's been a, and that's really kind of grew up because how did the, how did the country form? It became people started immigrating over here from Europe in the 1600s and they were pretty much on their own. It was a month or two month sea voyage to and from, to and from Europe. So you were pretty much on your own. They didn't, the government, whether in England or wherever really couldn't exert, Direct control over you, your lives, because you were just too far away. So you had you had to take care of problems on your own, and then that grew. This kind of freedom, the spirit of freedom, freedom, uh, and uh, electing your own representatives, your mayor, that um, you, know, you would choose your own pastor and your church, and so on. And that just that blossomed. That kind of almost like an, an experiment by geography into. The spirit of seventeen seventy six and then you bring it forward uh Dennis Prager observed, and we're going and want to talk about the, the upcoming election, I mean, we all is he observed that the bigger the government, the smaller the people Mm-hmm. Yep. and people yeah you know, well will the government take care of it there's a, you know there's the homeless problem, now of course the government is is in large measure helping to create the homeless problem. A, a lot, through a whole series of, of really ba- of, of bad policies. But the point remains is that if you leave it to the government, government grows, freedom wanes, and the bigger the government, inevitably, the more corrupt it's going to be. And the more right. incompetent it's going to be as you have some huge bureaucracy trying to solve problems. I see that you see this in the private sector is the bigger the company, the more closely it resembles a government agency. We have a committee and a hierarchy, and then this person has to approve it, and that person has to approve it, and no one wants to make a decision, as opposed to a small entrepreneurial company where, okay, we have an opportunity, we're going to go do it. Correct. I had the
2: experience at a candidate forum in the last cycle, and this was candidates who were running for our state Senate, I believe. And the Democrat candidate was asked um, about the homeless problem. Somebody pointed out that California was spending thirty thousand dollars per homeless person. At that time, I'm sure it's more now. And we still have a bunch of homeless people. The, the problem hadn't gotten any better. And basically, her answer was blah, 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 and we need more money. <laughs> cool. So after the, after the forum, I confronted her. I said, I want to ask you this question, and I, I borrowed this from Ben Shapiro. Is there any problem in our society, any problem whatsoever, where you have a solution and pay more taxes and the government will fix the problem? Can you think of anything where you have another solution? And she said, Hmm, let me get back to you on that. (laughs) Right. So I I I waited about 10 minutes. The, The answer was no. I waited about 10 minutes and I went up and sat and she was talking to different people. And I said, have you thought of anything? And they all said, what, what are you talking about? And I reiterated the question and she said, No, I still haven't thought of anything. And I did this several times. It ended up chasing her out of the room. She ended up leaving the whole forum because she couldn't take it anymore. But at one point, this was at at University of Redlands. And at one point, she was talking to several students. And one of the students said, in all innocence and sincerity, said, but if the government doesn't tax us more, how can they solve the problem? And I said, that's part of the problem right there. Your assumption that the government is supposed to solve every problem. Here you are getting a college education. You're the one who's supposed to solve the problem. Invent a new product. Start a fund. Start a charity. Start a company, Uh, you know, do you do something to solve the problem? And my guess is if you get together with several of your friends and think about the problem and how you're going to approach it, you could probably do a better job than the government does taking our money and then figuring out what they're going to do with other people's money. When it's your effort and your money going into it, you're going to be much more effective at solving whatever problem you set your mind to. And that's what we need is individual citizens setting their minds to solving the problems and getting together with like-minded citizens and attacking those problems. But Mm -hmm. she she already had a mindset herself that any problem that you could think of, the government should solve it. And how can they do that except by us paying more taxes? That's part of the problem.
1: Yes. Um, Henry Morgenthau, who was uh, the secretary of the Treasury under Franklin Roosevelt. uh, He said that uh, there is no I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but there's no problem that is so bad that the government can't make it worse. (laughs) And with that, we're we're going to take a break and hear from Ed Hoffman, your real estate lending specialist. Place to go for your real estate lending needs back after this.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending LLC and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590 to answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just needed extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020.
1: Welcome back to Unite I.E. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the enemies of the state, as the uh, <laughs> as, as, as as Brandon, as Brandon calls us. Um, I think we have a selection coming up um this next Tuesday. And oh, people are you know, there, there there's project there, there's predictions all around. Um generally uh the prediction is that the republicans are going to do well nationally and may even do um make some make some gains here in in california now i've been i've said for a long time and continue to say is don't count your red waves before they crash on shore and there's also a big question about whether whether a, wed, re, whether a red wave say that 10 times fast whether a red wave can overcome the blue cheat. And we see examples of things going on around the country. In Pennsylvania, they're, they were putting out drop boxes with ballots already in them. Yeah. In Arizona, a judge ruled you can't photograph or video people stuffing ballots into the into, into a drop box. Um, you still have these voting machines, which are controlled and programmed by... Democrat government employee unions. So how that's going to play out, we don't know. But you look around, you see some you see some signs. I mean, they're in um, just in just in California, two little bits of news that would suggest a positive trend. But again, we don't assume that that's going to happen, is that uh, there's a Mike Garcia, who is won his 2020 election by a whopping 313 votes. And after redistricting, he has a more Democrat district. So he was a he was somebody who was going to have a tough race. Knew he was going to have a tough race. The rating services, Cook's Political Report, and others had it as a toss-up. But recently, within the last week, I read that they this been moved to a a lean Republican instead of a toss-up, and. There was a Democrat political action committee canceled a $2.2 million ad buy they had planned for that district, figuring, okay, that's, you know, that's it's moving out of our our, gra- our grasp, and or that we have more important, we got to go back and defend some of our own other races. And then another one that had Julia Brownlee, Democrat member of Congress from California. I mean, she's kind of just a generic Democrat member of Congress who votes how Pelosi tells her to vote doesn't make any waves, not on anybody's target list, but she was panicking in this last week because the polls showed that she was only one point ahead of her Republican opponent, and the Republican who I' never heard of had outraised her by five hundred thousand dollars. Wow so if if That's that amazing kind of race is, is 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 now competitive. Then that may be a a, a good sign, but yes. it doesn't mean don't vote. So the most important thing to do for all of you domestic terrorists out there, <laughs> and of course, and of course, you know, by, by definition, is you're you're an extremist, you're a terrorist if you don't vote for the Democrat Party, and you're a threat to democracy yeah absolutely, if you absolutely. Vote, you're a, you're a threat to democracy yes <laughs> if you don't if you, if you go out and vote for the wrong candidates, that is undermining our democracy <laughs> and, and, and they, they they and they and they can say that with a straight face uh, so you yeah. have, have to commend them certainly have to commend them for that okay,
2: I completely no. agree with you. I completely agree with you that we don't we do not want to count anything before it happens. Absolutely critical for everybody on our side to vote and to get one other person to vote. If you have a neighbor who has not voted in a while, get him to vote. Mm -hmm. This, I I believe, the trend is in our direction. I have spoken to several people. My golf buddy, who is a lifelong Democrat, I mean, and he's lived a long life as well. He told me. He voted, he's already voted, he voted for Penman, for the Republican, for mayor of San Bernardino. He also voted, he said, he didn't tell me specifically who, but he voted for several other Republicans for statewide office. So this is a guy, if you knew him, he's a Canadian import, as it were. So he's a, you know, he's not a crazy leftist, but he definitely is a leftist. And yet even he had reached the limit of what he could take. looking at at our community around him and stuff. So, and and I could anecdotally tell you of several other cases like that, but you're absolutely right. Nothing to be taken for granted. Everyone must vote.
1: Yes, and uh, we would, uh, there's some some disagreement on it, but our recommendation in the, the the recommendation of the election integrity project is to vote in person on a regular ballot at the polling place on election day. And there's, two, there's, there's really two reasons for that. One is there's fewer people that are handling your ballot. No post, there's no postal workers. There's no one has to verify your signature. So it's even better than dropping off your ballot at the polling place. And two is that the, don't, if, if you wait till election day, they don't know how many votes they, they the Democrat Party, don't know how many votes they're going to need. How many fraudulent votes they're going to need, and that may have played a role in helping Carrie Lake win her primary in Arizona for governor. And she's a, she's a she is a rising star, and we're going to get to a a a clip of her uh, mastery of of the art of politics um, a little bit later. So for those two reasons, it, it, we recommend voting in person on Election Day at the polling place. The only downside to that is if you tell people that and they just something come things came up, they're busy, whatever, my one vote's not gonna make a difference. Um I'll I'll just I'll just skip voting this year. So as between voting by mail and voting in person, voting in person is better. But The risk is if someone's planning to vote in person, they don't make it to the polls that day for whatever reason, and they don't vote at all. So voting by mail is better than not voting at all. Yeah, correct.
2: And this certainly has been a a coalescing of opinion because uh, during the the primaries, I asked um, uh, Ms. Hamm, who is running for state attorney general, I believe, or secretary of state. Secretary of State. um, I second I asked her at that time what was the preferred procedure, and the answer at then was more equivocal. Well, there's these benefits. There's these benefits. You know, it's not a clear cut answer. But it seems like in the last few months, the uh, the answer has coalesced around what you just said. Bring your abs- your your mail in ballot unopened with you. Turn it in. Cancel it out. So it can't be used again and get a live in-person ballot and use that. That is definitely the uh, current consensus. Yeah.
1: Well, but that's the information I have is you don't have to bring your your ballot. You should, leave that, you should leave that envelope, bring it in the car, don't open the envelope, and but you don't actually have to turn in your your mail ballot. That was new information to me, and, and I haven't confirmed that, but just bring it in the car. But then if they tell you that you've already voted, and that happens sometimes, somebody votes in your name, and if they tell you that, then you go report a case of identity theft to the to law enforcement. And you right. have, here's my unopened ballot as evidence. Yes, okay. That's, that's a correct modification. Yes. Now, we we only have a minute left in, the, in in this in this segment. You look also look around the country and you see some things. Republicans are competitive in states you would never think of. Um, Lee Zeldin he has, a, has a definite possibility of being elected governor of the state of New York. And wow. um, that's kind of reflecting just how bad things have gotten there under Democrat rule. Patty Murray, senator from uh, w- state of Washington, polls show that that race is close. And the only thing that's kind of, that's perplexed to me the entire race, and we, we can dive into it if you want to after the break, is if those races are close, even if even if the Republican doesn't win, then states like Georgia and Arizona, Wisconsin that were close in 2020 should be easy wins for us. And the polling isn't, isn't showing that. So the, so the polls are no secret here. No surprise may not be entirely reliable. So get out and vote. And that's all we have for the first half of United. IE radio. Stay tuned for the exciting second half of United. IE radio.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of plant home lending LLC and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590. The answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just needed extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS
4: ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is is CarStar All-Star Collision, 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer.
1: Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office that of the cisgender, heteronormative uh, representatives (laughs) of toxic masculinity and white supremacy who are here to mansplain the political news to you. My name is Greg <laughs> Breton, with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the United IE Coalition of Conservative Patriot Groups in the Indian Empire, and I'm joined by uh, Doug Hauser, who's also on the cabinet of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots with me, and also works in the United IE Coalition, and it was also part of the School Choice. And we're gonna we're gonna get an update on what's happening on School Choice because we certainly uh, need that. Um, yes, I don't want to. I don't want the show. I don't want the show to to go by without. Going back to Kerry Lake and uh, the Democrats all across the country, at least the that uh, do, uh, do politics, are if there's any one person that they would like to defeat this term, this election, it's her. As I I, I don't remember who who said this, as one of their politicos uh, said, she has the performance skills of a major market. TV news anchor, which he was in Arizona for for 27 <laughs> years, with the with the uh, with the political views of Steve Bannon. Wow. and she is fearless, and and we have some fearless people on our side. Donald Trump, I think, is one of them. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Matt Gates, Lauren Bo, Lauren Bobich, Bo, 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 uh, I forgive forgive Bo, me on the pronunciation, Bobert. and so and 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 there and there are and there are some others. Jo- uh, Jim Jordan's pretty fearless. But she has a way of dealing, particularly with them, dealing with the media or dealing with people. And these, she is wonderful. She's, she may be the best politician on the American political stage at this moment. And here is an example of this. Oftentimes, there are, there are many clips out there of her smacking the media upside the head, figuratively. <laughs> but there, this time, the reporter tried to throw her a curveball and get her to take the bait, and she didn't. Let's listen to Carrie Lake.
5: Chris McLean from CBS News. Hi, Chris. I don't know if you've seen this ad attacking you. That's which,
2: a, which one? Which one? <laughs> which one, Chris? The, uh, the the mother of Brian Signet, the Capitol Police officer that died uh, the day after January 6th. She, in, in an attack ad, is saying that people like you specifically are responsible for her son's death. I'm curious, what do you think when you hear that? What's her name? The mother of Brian Sicknick? Yeah. I think it's Cindy Sicknick.
5: Cindy, I just want to say to Cindy Sicknick, I'm so sorry about the death of your son. It it is tragic. I'm a a mother myself, and that is, uh, it breaks my heart. That is a wound when you lose a child, no matter how old they are, that never heals. And so I don't want to disparage her. She doesn't know me. I wasn't anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th. And I understand that her... Son died, I think, the following day of a stroke or natural causes. And I, I feel for her and I, I see the pain in her eyes. And I would never try to disparage or hurt her because I know when a mother has pain like that, there's no way to heal that. And that's why I feel for these moms and dads who hit me up on the campaign trail and they grab me. And you can spot them from across the room. There is a, a loss in their lives that can never be replaced and we're losing thousands of young people when they tell me they lost a son to fentanyl, when they lost a daughter to fentanyl poisoning, um, this is why we are pushing so hard to secure that border and stop fentanyl from pouring across. I'm used to attack ads, I've had probably more money spent against me than any candidate in Arizona in attack ads, but the people know me here. They're not believing what they're seeing in the attack ads. I've been in their homes for 27 years. And additionally, besides attack ads, I've had 100% negative lying coverage by the fake news of me and my campaign and our people. And so we've withstood that and we will win and we're gonna do great things for Arizona despite what you guys say.
1: That was magnificent. And and I've seen, I mean, Ronald Reagan could be very effective as a communicator. Donald Trump can be very effective as a communicator. but what she did there and how she responded with empathy, even though the mother of the police officer died of a stroke or natural causes the day after January 6th had, had signed up to, be, to, to do a partisan political attack using her son's death against Kerry Lake, she didn't respond in kind. It was empathy, it, and, and I think Carrie Lake is genuine who she is. That she, yeah, she is a mother, and then she turns it. She turns the whole thing. I, 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 you know, losing a child, just how how bad that is, and then yes, and, and I, I see this on the campaign trail, where these where these parents are coming and talking to me about how their child, their children, have died of fentanyl poisoning. That when the fentanyl is pouring across. The open border. Yeah. I'm, I, I am, mean, I am in was, awe of what, of what, of what I just saw there. And um, she has, I, if there's any one race that I want to win this term, this election, it's that race.
2: I I hadn't heard that clip before. That was, I would say that was textbook except most textbooks aren't that clear and good that that was excellently done. And Her point is exactly correct. Everybody can immediately see and understand it. When you see somebody pushed in front of a subway train in New York or carjacked in San Francisco, those victims are also somebody's child or somebody's brother or sister or somebody's father or mother, you know? And I've said the same thing for a while about the homeless problem. It's true that the homeless people aren't dying in huge numbers. but this idea that it is humane to let homeless people live like that is not correct living in filth and squalor and crime and drugs and degradation if that was nancy pelosi's nephew or or barack obama's grandchild they wouldn't think it was humane to let a person live like that and so there's a time for tough love to get these things under control Because if it was your child who was in that situation, you wouldn't want that to continue. And so they're all somebody's child. And we've got to treat these people like that. Every crime victim is the same. And in the case of the Capitol Hill police officer, obviously a tragedy for for such a young person to die like that. But let's not forget. That the media lied to us for weeks, saying that that person had had their head smashed in by a fire extinguisher, with obviously no evidence for it, since it turned out to be absolutely untrue. But they harped on that as a way of of villainizing, vilifying the people who were there that day. And it turned out to be absolutely, completely false. The person died of apparently a heart attack the day after. And did anybody ever apologize for such a slander? I don't think so.
1: No, and uh, even to this day, um, people go on the media and say police officers were killed uh, on January sixth, and uh, they were not. No, they weren't, and they can't they can't give us any names, any specifics, but they just they keep repeating the lie. I want to come back to. I would love to I would love to dive into January 6th and the truth behind that. But I want to come back to election integrity. Uh, this past Thursday, we had election integrity expert, Dr. Douglas Frank, uh, can speak to us at the Redlands uh, Tea Party Patriots. And he's a former scientist, um, does his Ph.D. is in surface electroanalytical chemistry which combines chemistry and physics techniques for the manipulation and analysis of molecules on surfaces. Um, Whatever, you know, um, whatever that means. Obviously, a brilliant man who understands things far beyond, um, as a lawyer, things that that I could understand. But after the 2020 election, he turned his scientific skills to analyze the election data and to show that the election 2020 was not fair and honest. And that there are major problems if we want election integrity. And uh, He has a great presentation, and I would encourage anybody if you have the opportunity to uh, see him in person or watch any of his videos. It, he has the data to back. He has the data to back up what he says. And I just and there was a actually came out in October. And I just I just saw the results. It was a Rasmussen poll about election integrity and the 2020 election. And the, so the question is, Is how, how likely is it that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election? Likely or not likely? All voters, 55% likely, 40% not. Republicans, 75, 20. Independents, 53, 40. Even Democrats, 35% think that cheating is likely affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Majorities of whites, blacks, Hispanics, actually more Hispanics than whites or blacks, think that the the cheating was likely. Um, Interestingly, the 18 to 39, which is a a Democrat majority cohort, think that it was 55% likely that cheating affected the outcome. And that is in the face of, since 2020, Unremitting gaslighting by the media, by Democrat politicians, intimidation—you're you know, an—you're an election denier—and maybe even try to take you off social media, or get you fired from your job, boycott your business if you claim this. Cont- widespread, continuous censorship by the big dem tech platforms of information regarding the and uh, the evidence that the 2020 election was stolen through vote fraud. And notwithstanding that, the truth has gotten out there to see those kind of poll numbers that we talked about. And that's also sounded like that also sounded like. If I remember
2: your numbers, I have not heard these numbers before, but it sounded like about twenty percent of people were undecided on such an issue, which is a high number of undecided. So there are a bunch of people who may not feel one way or the other, but they are open to the idea. That there was shenanigans in the election.
1: Right. And that shouldn't be, because the 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 republic will not survive without honest elections and without elections that are widely perceived and believed. Yep. To be honest. And when but just by way of one example, when you can show up in the middle of the night and stuff handfuls of ballots into an unsecured, unobserved Dropbox, there is no way to have confidence in election integrity.
2: Correct. And we've seen films
1: of it. We have. If you watch the movie uh two uh how two
5: many thousand mules?
1: mules. Right. Two thousand mules, uh, where you watch this video and you combined the video with the cell phone tracking data to show people going to multiple drop boxes. And in here, then here they see vi- stuffing the ballots into the drop box in the middle of the night. As you know, we, you know, we all we all voted. We all voted at two o'clock in the morning with um, a, a big handful of ballots in states where at most it is legal to carry a ballot for a family member or someone that you're uh, if you're a caregiver for someone that you're, that you're giving care to, but not mass handfuls of ballots. And this needs to be addressed. Uh, the Republican Party has historically run away from the issue of election integrity. I don't fully understand why that is, since they're the ones that are predominant. You know, Republicans may also be using election integrity, vote fraud, to win elections. But predominantly, it's the Democrats. And they don't want to touch it. And they have to. Because not only do are you going to get Democrats elected and who are going to try to wreck the country, but you need that confidence in the, the integrity of the system. And we're almost Absolutely. unique in the world. We're almost, America is almost, we're, we're getting past time for our break, but I do want to finish this. America is almost unique in the world in our lack of election integrity. Even in Europe, they every country but one, and and, they, and that was going to be Great Britain, and they were going to have a, a bill to require voter photo ID to vote. Seventy-four um, percent of countries, European countries, ban absentee voting enti- entirely if the resident, if the person resides in the country, and the rest of them have restrictions on it, on on providing ID and who you can, if you're going to vote by mail. They actually consider their election integrity to be important, and they realize that you send out ballots by the mail, by mail, that is not secure. Uh, Mexico has voter ID. And a whole but, series of other countries have ID. And, and, and if we go back America, just a few
2: years, if we go back just a few years, you can find tapes of Democrats saying that massive mail-in voting is open to fraud. They admitted it then, just you know, maybe a decade ago. The same people who are who are denying it now, Kamala Harris. I've seen tape of her in a congressional hearing saying. That this is not a safe way to run elections.
1: It is, and they went. I, I believe firmly that 2020 presidential election was stolen through vote fraud, limited to about 45,000 votes in three states, would have, would have would have changed the election the other way. But the other lesson of this is, some people I've seen people throw up their hands and go, hey, "It's all fraudulent. It's all rigged. I'm not going to bother to vote." And that is absolutely the wrong way to approach this, because there are limits. Even in California, there are limits to their vote fraud. Examples being the Democrats lost on Prop 15 and 16, uh, which are racial preferences and a big tax increase in 2020. The Republicans regained four House seats they lost in 2018. And uh, Virginia, the Republican candidates won for governor. Lieutenant Governor and State Attorney General in, in 2021. So there are so there are limits to their vote fraud. So that means that if there is vote fraud. It's more important. To Absolutely. Vote. And I, know, and I know you want to jump into this, but we are we're way past time for a break. So let's hear from All Star Collection, the place to you take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, the Redlands Tea Party Patriot and Unite IE Coalition. Pleased to be joined this week by Doug Hauser, also with the same organizations, as well as uh, California School Choice. Our uh, first, t- in our remaining time here, I uh, do want to touch on Prop 1. Under Prop 1, uh, this will legalize in the state constitution late-term abortions all the way up until the moment of birth, and just just read the language. The language is clear. The uh, opponents have been trying to backpedal on that, but just read the language. It's clear. It is late-term abortion until the moment of birth for any and all reasons. And interestingly, in California, only 13% of the people support that extreme position, so, if people understand what Prop 1 really does, it should go down to defeat. And if you can tell other people that and tell your pastor and get your pastor to say something this Sunday, that would be good. Last two weeks, we've talked about the goings on in the Redlands School District. And I think that's kind of exemplary for the larger issues in the government run schools. Children need a good education to prosper. The Republic needs informed citizens. And America, like every nation, needs to transmit its history, its culture, and principles to succeeding generations to survive. Parents used to be able, and citizens used to be able to trust the government-run schools to do those things. And that is no longer the case. Um, We see all over the country, and we use examples from Redlands, where they are trying to sexualize and sex-groom the children. And there were there are very exceptionally explicit books in the Redlands Unified School District. You see, see the same books around the country. I won't read some of the really ex- explicit stuff, but there was a drawing of an adult man under the caption of "How to how, Boy on Boy Sex." When the drawing then had instruct, how to instructions. There was another page from the book that says encouraging children to use sex apps and upload a picture of themselves where they can then, quote, uh, will tell you where the nearest homosexuals are. You can chat with them, and then you can meet up with them. And, of course, there are going to be a lot of adults on those sex apps. This is brought to the attention of the Redland School Board. They didn't care, including incumbent, 16-year incumbent Patty Holohan, the Redland School District using its social media accounts, uh, promoted an off-campus drag queen event, and again, brought to the board's attention, they didn't care. Then, one of the uh, working, with, uh, Candy Olson, who was supporting uh, Aaron Stepien, who's running against Patty Holohan, Holohan's supporters have been stealing and defacing Aaron Stepian signs. So they put tagging devices on some of the large signs that have been stolen. Those are expensive signs. And they tracked the stolen signs to the home of Patty Holohan. Called the police. The police didn't get out there. By the time the police got out there, the signs had been moved to a friend of Patty Holohan. They cited the uh, friend for uh, petty theft, but didn't do anything with Patty Holohan. And at the last school board meeting when people wanted to discuss this, they were in violation of the First Amendment. They refused to let people talk about what an incumbent board member had done, which was stealing her opponent's political signs. So you have somebody charged with running a multi-hundred million dollars budget and school district and being in charge of the education of the children, but she's a petty theft, petty thief. And that's just kind of exemplary of what is going on in the government-run schools. And at the same time, under 16-year incumbent uh, Patty Holohan, the academics have been going away, way down. So even though Redlands is supposed to be a one of the better school districts for the government-run schools, only 51% meet standards for English language arts, 35% for math, and 36%. Percent for science, and those are the dumbed-down state standards. And at the same time, over since 1969-70 through 2018-2019, after adjusting for inflation in California, per-student spending has increased by 244%. 240% after adjusting for inflation, and you get mediocre at best academics, you get sex grooming and sexualizing the children, you get we haven't gotten to the indoctrination and the critical race theory, although they'll tell you to your face, oh, we don't have critical race theory in this school, when in fact they do. They just don't use the name. They still teach America is a systemically racist country, and uh when that's belied by Facts. In my view, and I think you share this view, Doug, is that yeah, maybe electing good school board members could on the margin make some difference. But the system is designed such that these even if you had a great school board, you're still bound. You got state law, you got federal law, you got regulations, you got the teacher unions, you got the embedded educational bureaucracy. And you're not. It's going to be really. It would be be hard for a school board to make a a big difference in the government-run schools. And that what we need to do is that the answer is to get children out of the government-run schools. There are great options, and many and many um, parents are increasingly. You've doubled or tripled the number of children who are being homeschooled. Uh, Ken Yolson, who was on the show two weeks ago, she is a working nurse. But she still finds that she makes the time. Doesn't find the time. She makes the time to homeschool her children. Denise Soto we had on a few weeks ago, who was a she's now retired, but she was a do- medical doctor. She found time to homeschool. Made time to homeschool her children. And we only have a little bit of time left. But I know you're very involved with with um, school choice. I think that's the answer. Give parents the ability to take their share of estate spending and choose the school that they think is best for their children. That We didn't get enough signatures the first time. And I know you'd like to jump in on this and we'll have you back on another occasion, Doug, to talk more about school choice and yep. what's happening there. But watch for that. And that is the answer. I think at least the best thing we can do is to give parents the ability to choose the school they think is best for their children. So, all the time we have this week, Make sure you vote in person if possible. And above all, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. radio.
4: When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, Car Star, All Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is Car Star, All Star Collision.